website, ask you if you would remember that. And uh, then, I probably won't get this right, but Wayne's niece's cousin's husband, I, so I don't know. Uh, but they found him They found him dead this morning, if you would remember uh, the family. The Lord knows that, who it was. Uh, but it was some relation to Wayne through marriage and you the name, if you will. And uh, I know they appreciate that. But do have much to pray and prayer about tonight. Remember each one of these several over the last few weeks, several requests been made next year. Remember them. But maybe tonight somebody has a special request for the prayer. Remember my family. I need one. I got several. I need money. I want to thank y'all for praying for my sister law they said she had pre-cancer or something, but they still had to operate and go deeper than they thought. To me, it was cancer. But anyway, uh, they did plastic surgery and stuff yesterday, too. But she was sounded really good tonight. She's a good Christian woman. Pray for my brother, I guess, 40 years before he ever got saved. Remember that? Somebody else tonight. I'll continue praying for my friend Sharon. I saw her son today and she's sleeping more. The doctor told him yesterday that she would sleep more and more. Y'all keep praying for them. They need prayers. Somebody else. Anybody 
any veteran will fail or veteran. I learned it's all the all Hartford. All right. If so, ask Brother Kirk if he would take the Lord's prayer. Father, we thank you for the day. Thank you for the wonderful blessings of life. What's going on? Jerry Bush. Supplying each and every need and only realizing we don't deserve anything. You seem fit anyway to bless us in this walk of life. We thank you for the place that you've gone to prepare for us. And we can be looked and think about having a better place to go. It's been made mention the last few weeks of people that I've talked to. And it's glad that they've got a better place to go. And several people have said it just needs to be ready. And that's the truth. And thank you. But not letting us know that we're ready and we know that we don't deserve it. But we know that you've made fit for us to be ready and have a place to go. Bless this church. Bless our pastor. Bless him as he stands tonight. Give him souls for his labor and the teachers here in the church and everybody that has a, an office apart. Those who just come from service to service and just pray. And that's all that you bless them. Those that are sick, those that are lost loved ones, those that need a special touch from on high, but that's the that you grant that. Just have your way now here to service. We're going to always love you, bless you, and on behalf of Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right, so make us warm your heart. Something you need to do to your mind, Lord, this evening. Amen. 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 Thank you for saving me tonight. I would like to thank you for answering the prayer this week. My little brother was in an accident this week, and I can't get it. I just got chills just listening to this today. He was driving a van for his work. I don't know who was following or nothing about it, but there was a, a duck truck. Supposedly, my understanding, hit, hit the van running 65 and turned the truck over had that wind. And it shut him into a pickup. It's just like a chain reaction. That pickup, you can see where the pickup hit that van is. That hood hit the windshield, it looked like it drove it back four or five inches. It could have easily killed him. And I thank God for looking at it. You don't never know. Pray for, I pray for him and me. For some reason, I guess, I don't have another answer for it. I pray for them too before I do the one thing. Sort of got a little wish right here. But you don't never know when you ask him first. That's why I had you asking him first. Because he's looking after my Thank you for saving me. Again, me yesterday. I had a shot yesterday. I told you, my brother, I'm scared to death, but he got my arm. We prayed for each other. I said, next time I'll know. I said, the unknown is what's so scary. I said, I'm scared to death to have it done because I don't know what you're going to do to me. <laughs> but anyway, I just thank the Lord that He's with me. Of course, and he always is, but I just want to thank the Lord for him. I just want to thank the Lord for him. And pray that the shot helps. It sure has been my day. I'm going to pray it helps. 
हमारे If so, take your Bibles tonight. Go with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter number one. Revelation chapter number one. And uh, give me just a few seconds. I'll look something real quick and make it a little bit of a different way. Revelation chapter number one tonight. And uh, we'll read here in just a moment. All right. Revelation chapter number one. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what we've looked at so far. Uh, the first night, we looked at the first three verses, talked a little bit about the book of Revelation, then we looked at the first three verses, uh, a little bit of the introduction, if you would. Then we looked at verse four, down through verse eight, if I'm not mistaken, Sunday night, and uh, finished up somewhat. We'll have to kind of pull over a little bit, uh, but the introduction to the book. We know uh, the Bible the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to service things, which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it by his angel under his servant John. Uh, we saw that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. God gave it to him, who then in turn gave it to John, who in turn penned it by inspiration of the Holy Ghost and gave it to us. Uh, verse 4, John and the seven churches which are in Asia. We've mentioned that in passing the recipients of the book that is written to the church. Um, we'll talk more about that in the coming days. My plan tonight, I doubt we'll do it. But my plan, I'd love to get from verse 9 uh, down to about, let's see, I'd love to get to maybe verse 17. I doubt we'll get that far, but that's my plan, okay? Um, if we don't get that far, we'll we'll pick up next week. But probably not this week, but maybe by next Wednesday, uh, we get through chapter 1, then chapter 2 will begin looking at those seven churches in Asia. All right, let's read together. Uh, you keep your seat tonight. Let's begin reading. Uh, let's begin reading in verse number nine, and I'll read down through the remainder of the chapter. The Bible said, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God, for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, what thou seest, write in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Um, say a few things about that quickly. Um, we said introduction, then in verse 9 through 11, John gives us just a little bit of background information. He's more, the Bible said, um, let me see here, uh, the Bible said in verse number, where is it? Uh, two, uh, that who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. John's getting ready in verse 12 to tell us the first thing that he sees, uh, but he gives us just a little bit of background information before that. He tells us that he's on the Isle of Patmos, why that he's there, uh, that he hears a voice behind him, turns, then verse number 12, he tells us the, the things that he sees. I turned to the voice that spake with me. Being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girded about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet, like in the fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. 
had his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth was a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. When I saw him, I felt his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. That's, that's, let me make a statement about that. I probably won't get to verse 19 tonight. Uh, that is important to make note of. Notice how he said that. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, present tense, and the things which shall be hereafter. While the book of Revelation does deal with things to come, according to verse 19, John's going to deal with some things which are. And we'll see that over the next few weeks as we look at the church age. Verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars that I saw in my right hand, the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars of the angels, the seven churches, the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I sure love you tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for the privilege and honor to be back in your house. Help us tonight as we study your word. Lord, I pray give us insight, give us wisdom. Lord, I pray to illuminate our hearts the truth of the word. Lord, I pray for every need represented. We pray you touch each other heart, each other life. We'll be careful tonight to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. But we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name and for his sake. Amen and amen. All right. Let's talk a little bit uh, about these verses, okay? I'm not rehashed too much. i got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, but we saw uh, several things in the introduction. If you, uh, I will say this. If you weren't here, you may not be interested. If you weren't here, of course, you can go look at it online. Uh, on Facebook, I think they're all there on Sermon Audio. Uh, if you need the notes, I'll give those to you if you want. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that so far or not, but I will uh, if you were to miss something, okay? Uh, let's start off with verse number 9. Bible said, I, John, uh, we see a little bit of the change there. John's been writing uh, somewhat in the second or third person, but now in verse 9, he writes in the first person, says, I, John, who also and your brother, writing to the church once again, a companion of tribulation in the kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So let's notice, if you will, first of all, the problem. Um, you said, Richard, what do you mean that uh, John said, I, John, and also am your brother and companion in tribulation. It's interesting to me. That's how John introduces himself to us. He said, uh, He's our brother. That shows a family relation. We're brothers in Christ. And then he said companion in tribulation. That's interesting. He connects himself to us not only in the fact, John, that we're saved, that we're a part of the family of God, but he says there's something else we've all got in common. We're companions in tribulation. Isn't that right? Watch uh, what he said. Uh, companion in tribulation in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. John said he was in the aisle that is called Patmos. Watch this. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So uh, we see that he's been exiled at this point to the aisle of Patmos. He gives us why. For the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ for his preaching, for his stand, for his faith. John's been exiled uh, to the aisle of Patmos. We may come back later and talk a little bit more about uh, what age he was and some more background information. But Second time we'll not do that tonight. Told you a minute ago, he tells us he's our brother and companion uh, in tribulation. It's a reminder tonight 
Uh, seems like I thought while well, you was testifying and giving you prayer requests tonight, I thought to myself I, I, I could take a lot out of my message that I had that I've got wrote down. But it's a reminder of the problems and troubles that the believer faces in this life. That's what John was saying. He said, we, he said, I know something about troubles. I know something about tribulation. I know something about pain. I know something about sorrow. He's our brother. That's a family relation, but he's also our companion, our, uh, our companion in tribulation. He reminds us that just because we're saved does not mean it's a bed of roses. Just because we're born again, uh, does not mean that we have problems. He reminds us of that in verse number nine. Watch verse 10. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. So it's a problem in verse nine, but uh, then in verse nine and 10, notice if you would the position. Now you say, preacher, what do you mean by that? I want you to notice something with me carefully tonight. Verse 9, the Bible said, I draw also your brother, companion of tribulation in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Was in the isle that is called Patmos. Is that right? He's been exiled. He's in some ways in prison because of his stand on the word of God and the testimony of Christ. And he would not back down. He would not conform. Because of that, he's been exiled to the isle of Patmos. Now, you and I know that. We're familiar with that account that John was exiled there. Uh, so we, we understand clearly that physically John is in the Isle of Patmos. Is that right? And things are not looking very good. He's not on the Isle of Patmos, Earl, because he's on vacation. He's not in the Isle of Patmos because he wants to get a son. He's not laying on the island. He's not, uh, he's not taking a retirement trip. Uh, he's been exiled. He's been in prison. He's been bound, if you would, sent to the Isle of Patmos. One writer said that uh, the Isle of Patmos would have been reserved for the most hardened of criminals. It would have been a place that they would have been sent because nobody else could contain them, nobody else could hold them. Uh, they'd have been sent to the Isle of Patmos just to be out of the way and exiled uh, so that nobody had to worry about them anymore. John, his physical position is not looking very good. I mean, that's that place. He, he introduced himself makes it as our brother and companion in tribulation. He's saying things are not looking that great. Uh, I'm on the Isle of Patmos. I didn't commit a crime. I didn't commit a sin. Uh, I'm here because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, I've done nothing wrong. And here I am exiled uh, to the Isle of Patmos with the most hardened of criminals. Uh, I'm being punished for doing what's right. Doesn't sound good to me. All right? told you, just cause we're saved. Verse 9 reminds us that uh, there are troubles and trials for the believer. But in verse 10, something interesting happens. Look what he said. Now notice the phrase in verse number 9. The Bible said, uh, was in the isle that is called Patmos. John said, I'm in the isle called Patmos. Watch verse 10. Notice this first little phrase. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Can I say this? Verse 9, we see John's physical position. He is in the island of Patmos facing tribulation for the cause of Christ. Uh, we said a minute ago, so this is a reminder of the troubles and trials the believer faces in this life. That's nothing new to us. We, Job 14.1 
Bible said, man, that born a woman a few days and full of trouble. We understand that uh, this life, this uh, uh, this life that we live is full of troubles and trials and persecution and problems and heartaches and uh, is full of that. However, in verse 10, uh, we see that at the same time he's exiled to the Isle of Patmos, John also said he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. All right? Now, don't, don't fall at me when I say this. Uh, in fact, he said, John, that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and notice what he said. Now, He's, he's in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Uh, I, I, he's in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Everything, Chris, is still going on around the back. All right? He's still in Isle of Patmos. He's still exiled. He's not been set free. He's not back home. He's, uh, he's still in exile. He's still facing tribulation. He's still in troubles. Uh, but when the Bible said that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, watch what he said. I said he heard behind him a great voice as of a trumpet. Now I know this isn't real deep, but I hope it helped us this morning. It helped me this week. The, the lesson in verse 19 uh, teaches us a great lesson concerning our position as the, a believer. John is a picture in the book of Revelation of the church. And John, in his, uh, in his physical position, things don't look all that great. Is that right? But while he's in this physical position, Kurt, he also has a spiritual position. All right? Mm -hmm. I said, verse 9, I was in the aisle that is called Patmos. Physically. He's in the aisle called Patmos. But spiritually, in verse 10, John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. All right? Mm -hmm. Two positions. Now, that... The, Stay with me. I know you ain't getting it just quite yet. You, you, it'll be a great truth right here in just a second, okay? Uh, this teaches us a, a great lesson, a great truth uh, that we can learn from this passage of Scripture. As believers, we have not only a physical position, but also a spiritual position as well. I want you to see it with me. So hold your places in the book of Revelation and turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 tonight. Ephesians chapter 1. It'll not be anything new. Uh, but I want you to see this maybe a little bit different than you've looked at it before, all right? Ephesians chapter number one. So physically, he's in the Isle of Patmos. Spiritually, John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Ephesians chapter number one. And let's look in verse number one. We'll read some context. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus. Let's just know he's right to the church. And to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, now watch this, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Don't miss this. In Christ. Is that right? While this life Job 14, once that man is born a woman for a few days and full of trouble. There are times, and I realize tonight, no fault, I'm going to say this, I realize tonight that we're thankful for the breath that we breathe, we're thankful for the heart that's in our chest, and we're thankful for, there's a lot to be thankful for, uh, but Nancy, I'll just be honest with you, uh, it's not always in this life, does it always feel like that blessings are just being poured out? Well, could you agree with that? 
Now we realize that God is faithful and uh, we have things to be thankful. But I'm just saying, in our human nature, it does not always feel like in this life that God's just dumping the blessings out on us. There's times that it does, uh, uh, but it's not always like that. It seems like, to be honest with you, uh, uh, we live more in Job 14, 1. Uh, maybe one more a few days of full trouble uh, that we do just feel like the blessings are being poured out. And we, I don't follow that. I know he's faithful. He blessed us. I understand that. I understand if he never did anything but save us. He's done too much. Uh, I'm just saying it doesn't always feel like uh, uh, that the blessings are poured out on this earth. Is that right? But according to Ephesians 1 3, what Paul tells us is this Blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath blessed us, watch this, with all spiritual blessings. Toby Powers, you've heard him say it if you was here a few years ago. Uh, his, his saying is this, all means all, and that's all that all means. Uh, uh, and Paul said he hath as present tense, that's perpetual present tense, that he continually blesses us uh, with all spiritual blessings that uh, Watch what your Bible said. In heavenly places, uh, in Christ. Now, uh, I want to say this. Uh, while this life is full of trouble, problems, and pain, we're not bound to this life alone. John said he was in the Isle of Patmos physically, uh, but Michelle spiritually, Paul said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Isn't that right? Uh, notice this. The Lord has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. While John was exiled and imprisoned on Patmos, his blessings were not earthly, but heavenly. Thank God, no matter how rough his life may seem to be, we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Is that right? Uh, what I'm saying is this. Let me, let me make it a little bit more practical than what I have been. What I'm saying is this. I hope not Jessica. I sincerely do. Uh, uh, but I'm just going to use you as an example. Uh, if you were to get to feeling bad tomorrow and end up in the, in the doctor's office for the end of the week uh, and they gave you the worst possible news you could imagine, I sincerely hope that doesn't happen. But if it did, uh, things would not look very good physically. Uh, what I was saying is, as a believer, uh, we have access, John, not only to the physical, uh, but to the spiritual. Things did not look that good for John in Patmos, but John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Isn't that right? uh, and in the spirit, in the heavenlies, if you would, as Paul used, that uh, uh, the Bible said we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings that uh, in heavenly places, that uh, in Christ, that gives me. I told you that half means it's a perpetual present tense. It continues that uh, we are continually blessed uh, with all spiritual blessings. Uh, you know what that means tonight? Now this may not excite you, but it does me. Uh, that means knowing that if you were to go to work tomorrow and find out you lost your job, uh, uh, heaven is not bankrupt. Amen. Right. Right. That means if ever, if you went, if you lost your job and lost everything that you lost everything you had, uh, uh, it would not affect the blessings that are in heaven. Uh, uh, no matter what it may seem like on a physical aspect, uh, if you lose your health, if you lose your wealth, if you lose uh, whatever the case may be, uh, uh, we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings that. Uh, in heavenly places, uh, in Christ Jesus. We have access not only to the physical, uh, but also to the spiritual. I'm not trying to bring you down tonight. I'm glad God does bless us with physical things, aren't you? Uh, I, I'm not having a sex 
story to tell. I'm not saying tonight uh, that it's been awful to be saved. It's been the joy of my life to be saved and serve the Lord. Uh, but what I'm saying tonight is this. When things look bleak here, uh, we have access to a spiritual realm uh, uh, in heavenly places. Isn't that right? Uh, now, look with me if you would, not only in verse 3 of the book of Ephesians. Look with me in Ephesians 1 verse 20. Wonder why that it is that we have those blessings. Watch what your Bible said. Uh, well, let's look in verse number, let's look in verse number 16. Cease not to give thanks for you, make a mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be light, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What the riches of the glory and his inheritance of his inheritance in the saints. Watch verse number nineteen. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? You know what Paul's talking about? He's talking about those spiritual blessings in heavenly places. What's what he said? That the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened. That verse eighteen. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Paul said, "There's some things you ought to know." Uh, Hey, some things you ought to understand. Verse 19. What is exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe that according to the working of his mighty power? Watch verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand. Watch this. In the heavenly places. No wonder tonight all our blessings. I'm about to come slap on Luke. No wonder tonight all our blessings are in heavenly places. All our blessings are in Christ. And according to chapter 1 verse 20, God has made him to sit in heavenly places at his right hand. Our blessings tonight are supplied by Christ. He's in heavenly places. And because of that tonight, that's where our blessings come from. Isn't that right? Now watch this. All of our blessings are found in him. Don't worry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number, well, let's just start reading verse number 1. I'll never get done if I read all these verses, but I, I like it. Verse number 1, you hath he quickened over dead and trespassed sins, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Among them also, we all had our conversation in time past, and the lust of our flesh, feeling the desires of the flesh and the mind, were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Watch verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. Watch verse 6. And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together, where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What's verse 7? That the ages of company might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, you say, preacher, what are you trying to say tonight? Not only do we have our blessings in Christ in heavenly places, not only is Christ sitting in heavenly places, our blessings are in Christ who is in heavenly places, but now we find in Ephesians 2, 6 that he hath raised us up together, made us sit together, oh my, in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Is that right? Now, Ephesians 1, 3 said, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings 
in heavenly places in Christ. Now, that sounds pretty good when we're talking about that our blessings are in heavenly places and they're in Christ. Of course, we know they're secure because they're in Christ and all our blessings are in Him. So He's in heavenly place. That, that all sounds pretty good. But now, according to Ephesians 2, 6, Nancy, not only are my blessings in heavenly places, but I've been made, raised up together as made to see it in Christ, in heavenly places. What that means, Robert, is as much as physically I have access to physical blessings that God has given me, then Lydia spiritually wise, I have access to those spiritual blessings. Is that not right? And as much, oh, stay with me, as much tonight as the physical circumstance does not affect my heavenly blessings, what about these? Even when my physical circumstances are not well, or not good, or not prosperous, if you would, I still have access to my heavenly blessings. One, I talked to a fellow one day. I'm, I, I really don't have time to change this right. I want you to say that our blessings are in Christ in heavenly places, but John, don't fail to get the fact that we're in heavenly places in Christ. I saw the fellow one day and I asked him, I said, are you saved? He said, I hope so. And I said, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? He said, well, I, I hope so. And he looked at me and he said, well, would you? And I said, yes, sir. I sure would. I come home that, that conversation. I had that conversation. I come home. And I got to study the book of Ephesians. I was going through it. And I got to chapter two. You know what I found out, Kirk? You don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to fall out with me when I say this. But I found out not only am I God, but I'm already up. Don't know what your Bible says. He hath raised us up together, made us sit together. That's present tense, by the way. Has made raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. According to Scripture, Earl, when I got saved, the Holy Ghost baptized me. Into the body of Christ. That means, Michelle, that if he's sitting in heavenly places, and I'm in him, I'm in heavenly places. Now, this physical body, I understand this physical body is not in heavenly places. What I'm saying is this. Just try to be a help to us. What I'm saying is this. When troubles come, trials come, things get to looking bleak, we're all about that. Things get to looking bleak. It does stop Fail, never fail to remember we're in Christ. Our blessings are in Christ. We're in Christ in heavenly places. John said, I was in the Isle of Patmos for the word of God. Testimony of Jesus Christ put in verse 10. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You're going to find out here in just a moment if we get through it. If the Lord will help us, we're never going to get through it because I've just got 20 more minutes and I'm not even on point three. Uh, we're never going to get through it but you'll find out when we do get there, things don't look too good for John. But here in just a minute, he's going to get his eyes, God hit me, he's going to get his eyes off all that. You'll not hear anything else about that. Is that right? Oh my. Here in just a few minutes, we're not going to hear anything else about Patmos. John's getting ready to literally be taken Oh, by, by chapter 4. John is literally caught up 
into the third heaven. My, my, my. Watch this. Let me show you. I want you to see that. No matter how bleak, no matter how bad, no matter how dark things may seem, we have access to that. Uh, we have access to the spiritual blessings. What about this? Uh, just as John's physical position didn't look very good, yet, yet he found himself in the spirit and in the very presence of the Lord. Watch what your Bible said. Uh, let me get back over to Revelation 1. Turn me over if you will. Revelation 1 and verse number 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Saying, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest right in the book. Said the same church were in Asia and Ephesus, under Smyrna and Pergamos and Tyre, under Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. Now watch this. Get the picture. John's just standing there in verse 9. He's been exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Things don't look good. He's done nothing wrong. Here he is being punished. And he's exiled to the Isle of Patmos. No doubt he's uh, no doubt in his flesh and his in his in his mind. He's he's not very happy about all this. But then all of a sudden, verse 10, the Bible said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Had access to those spiritual places. Isn't that right? John said, next thing I knew, I heard a voice behind me. Oh my. Can I say that? I'm going to have to quit right here. We're not going to get no farther, I don't believe. Can I say that's usually how to work? By the way, you're going to find here next, in this chapter, this vision, this, this what he sees. Three things. He's going to hear a word. All right. He's going to see him. He's going to feel a touch. Hope they'll all, we'll have all three of those things happen. Can I say this? It'll always come from a word. Before he saw him, before he felt him, he got a word. Oh, can I just stop and say this? I know we can't see him with a physical eye, but aren't you glad? Oh, listen to The Old Testament, they waited for a word. Between Malachi and Matthew, 400 years of silence. It's what the intertestament period. They call it church of 400 years of silence. There was no direct revelation from God. God did not speak through the prophets, did not speak through. There was no direct communication between God and man. You and I holding our hand the perfect, inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. Do you realize we can get a word anytime we want? That's amazing. But he heard behind. What's what he said in verse number? Where's it at? Verse number that at a twelve. And I turned to see the voice that spake to me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. He said, Preacher, how did you get us in the very presence of him? Well, he all he had to do was turn around. Told you a minute ago. All he had to do was take what take his eyes off Patmos. And when he turned around, I, I'll never see him talking about Patmos again. Yeah. It's still going on. He's still uh, in the eye of the Baptist, but now he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. I'm about to come unglued. He's got his eyes on something else. Uh, we're going to find that's going to far exceed uh, of the joys of seeing the Lord. It far exceeds what's going on in Patmos, his physical condition. We see his physical position, his uh, spiritual position. Let me say this. i, I got to move on. Uh, da, 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 da. While I, you and I have that same privilege today, while our physical position may be bleak, spiritually speaking, we'll be blessed in the presence of God no matter what may be happening in our earthly life. All right. Look at me at verse 11. What time is it? Let me hurry. Verse 11, notice the proclamation. He turns, here's this great voice. 
Or don't turn in and hear the great voice. Notice what the Lord said to him. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and sent to the seven churches which are in Asia, under Ephesus, under Smyrna, under Pergamos, under Thyatira, under Sardis, under Philadelphia, and under Laodicea. All right. Once again, we're reminded of his eternality. The Bible said, saying, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. We talked about that. Uh, we talked about that last Sunday night, I believe. He encompasses all times. He reminds John that he always has been. He always will be. He is the first. He is the last. He encompasses all times. Notice this. Notice the proclamation. Notice his command. He commands that John write in a book the things which he sees. That's interesting to me. Now we'll find as we go through the book of Revelation, there's things that John hears. There's things that John experiences. But the Lord tells him in verse number 11 to write the things, what thou seest, write in a book. That's interesting to me. So we go on down through verse 12, we're going to pick up this vision. He's going to turn and see him. And it is amazing to me how detailed and vivid of a description that John gives in what he sees. He doesn't write in the book things which he sees to sit the seven churches of Asia Minor. Um, I told you when it goes every John took his command hard to look at the scripture and gives Christ in the next few verses. All right. Can we look at a few of them? We won't get through it, but we'll spend a little time. Okay. Uh, notice we make verse 12 through 17. Notice for me the perspective. All right. Number one. Uh, this perspective, what John sees, what it is that he sees and now is writing to you and I. What's what the Bible said in verse 12? I turned to see the voice that spake with me. Being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Oh, I love it. Turns to see the voice. Kirk, do you know the very first thing that he sees? Not the Lord. Not the Son of one like the Son of Man. He says that on down the next few verses. First thing he sees is seven golden candlesticks. Evident from what the text says, um, these seven golden candlesticks are positioned in a circle. I want to find out that there was one in the midst of it. Means the center. Evident they're positioned equally around. Oh my, we spent all night just preaching on these seven candlesticks, but I don't have time. These are seven golden candlesticks. Watch verse 13. And in the midst of the candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. All right. So the very first thing he sees is candlesticks. In the middle of them, Christ. But it's interesting. He didn't say I saw Christ and around them candlesticks. He said, I saw the candlesticks, and then I saw Christ. That's all, oh, that's amazing. Somebody turn to Revelation 120. Revelation chapter 1, verse 20. Somebody let me know when you get there. You there? Read the end of Read the last part of verse 20. What did candlesticks? Yeah. 
the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Are what? Seven churches. Before he saw Christ, he saw the church. Wonder if that's because that's the crown and jewel of Christ. Bible said, and again, it was the word, word, word of God, word with God. Read on them to find out that by him everything is made, by him for him, by him all things consist. Not anything was made without him. He is the very, he is the very creator of Christ, the express word of God. But do you realize that's not his crown and jewel? The crown and jewel of Christ was at Calvary when he gave his life to redeem a bride. Something's always interested me. You know I like types in the Old Testament. Any type, I don't care. I've never found one that fails. If you can find anywhere in Scripture a type of Christ, his bride was similar to his life. I don't care how you look at it. You look at Job as a type of Christ. Suffered like no man ever did. Greatest man from the East, the Bible said. I mean, all kinds of things you can point out that Job's like Christ. But you know my favorite type in the book of Job concerning him, Job was a picture and type of Christ. His wife never mentioned till he suffered in his body. You know that? You'll not find any mention of Job's wife till Job was touched from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet and sore bones. And I say you'll never find the church till Christ suffered in his body to redeem her. Always together. Tell you nothing about that. I'm already pushing that. That's pretty good. Tell you nothing about that. Everything that Job had, Kirk, you and Wendy, husband and wife. You go home and I go house and burn to the ground. Her house is burnt to the ground. Is that right? You, you get up tomorrow and your back can't stay out her back against me. Equal. But you know what's interesting? The Bible said we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. But all Earl, but one thing, he paid our sin for us. He paid that for us. Job's children died, Job's wife's children died. Job lost his home, Job's wife lost her home. Is that right? Job lost his livestock, Job's wife lost her livestock. That was interesting. Job was struck from four bolts and thought his head, the bottom of his feet, sucking his body. Always. I'm saying all that to say this. Anytime you see a picture of Christ, his bride will be somewhere close by. In fact, we see that fulfilled in the book of Revelation, chapter chapter 1, verse 12. Before John noticed Christ, there was such an emphasis put on the candlesticks, which are the churches, that God, he saw the church before he saw the Lamb. What about that? That's amazing. Watch this. I got her. Not hurry. Then candlesticks, the Bible said, which are the seven churches. Um, he, Christ in the center of these candlesticks. He is in the midst of the church. That's, that's what he's saying. Those seven churches represent prophetically the entire church age. He's in the center of it all. Uh, he's the focal point and center of them all. Let's see. During What I'm saying is this. During this dispensation, this dispensation of grace in the church age, he dwells and works through the church. What about that? That, he, John, that in the middle of the church age, he's right in the center of all of it. He has took his dwelling 
in the church. That's amazing to me. My dwelling is, is the church. Our dwelling is the church is in him. But his dwelling, oh, y'all ain't getting this. His dwelling is in the midst of us. That's amazing. I've become a part of him. He's become a part of the church. That's amazing to me. The Bible said, uh, the Bible said that a man should leave his father and mother and leave him to his wife. They too shall become one flesh. That's what happened when we got saved. I've become a part of him and he's become a part of me. And so much gone, you cannot see the difference. Is that not right? We're in him, but now we find he's in the midst of the church. All right. Notice, uh, not only the center, but notice, if you would, the comparison. Verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, In the midst of seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. There's a lot tonight I'd like to say, but I don't have time. You remember in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9, we, we were introduced to a term, the ancient of days. Quickly, let's compare these two descriptions. Watch what your Bible said in Daniel 7, 9. I beheld of the thrones were cast down, the ancient of days did see it, whose garment, listen to this, was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. We study the book of Revelation, we'll find that over and over again, things that were prophesied in Daniel that God will allow for John to see come to pass. Even if they are things yet to come, John's going to see it come to pass. I say this, you cannot rightly divide the book of Revelation without studying the book of Daniel. You cannot understand the book of Daniel without rightly dividing the book of Revelation. The two go hand in hand together. Uh, here in, in Revelation 1, we see a more detailed look at the Ancient of Days. Time and time again, we've seen he's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. Notice what the prophets had to say about it. Micah 5, 2, uh, twofold prophecy. Listen to this. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee prophesied that Christ to be born in Bethlehem. Shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel? Listen to the description Micah gives him. Whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. That's amazing amazing. Prophesied that in Bethlehem, out of Bethlehem would come forward to me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth has been from old, from everlasting. Do you realize what Michael was saying through inspiration of the Holy Ghost? He was saying he's going to be born in Bethlehem, but it will not be his beginning. Is that all right? Yeah. He'll, he'll come forth out of Bethlehem, but it's not his beginning. He's from, he's from days of old, from everlasting. His going forth are of old, from everlasting. Now, can I say this? Oh, I know to say tonight, see us, we say it time and time again. I believe all my heart, Christ wants us to realize he is from everlasting to everlasting. He had no beginning, he'll have no ending. He is everlasting tonight. Give me one more, I quit. Sad preacher said, I'll give you one more, I'll put it, I promise. Notice, they uh, say he is the ancient of days. He's from everlasting, everlasting. Notice the comprehension. I told you a lie, I'm going to give you two more, then I'll quit, okay? Notice the comprehension, verse 14. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. Notice this last phrase. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. What a picture. I mean, already, can you see it? Seven golden candlesticks in the midst of them, one like the Son of Man, and his hair 
and his hair and his head were white as wool, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Now don't forget, John walked with him on the earth. Is that all right? John laid his hand on his bosom. Oh, that excites me. You ever thought about the fact John was so close to it? He could hear his heart beating in his Oh, hit me. The Bible said that John laid his head on his bosom. There in Matthew 17, on the Mount of Transfiguration, it was Peter, James, and John that saw him transfigured before their eyes. But I've never read the scripture quite like this. John said his hair and his head was white as wool, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. Fire is, it consumes everything. Anything in a fire's way. It'll consume it. My, my great aunt over how she loves to burn. And she'll she'll cause a little bit of burn and she'll it'll start dying down. She'll look for something to burn. I mean, I, I'm honest, and she loves to burn so much. You know what? I said we're going to the house and come out of the house, carry the whole drawer out of her dress and just dump it on the fire to keep it. Oh, she loves to burn. And I'll say, What do up with I don't want to go out. That's what she'll say. And she'll come over and she'll say, You reckon this will burn? Here's what I always tell her. You get it hot enough, it will. They're right. If you can get a fire hot enough, it'll consume anything. Is that all right? Oh my. Bible said his eyes was a flame of fire. Don't think about fire. It's not prejudice. It's not partial. It's not peculiar. If it's in its path, it'll burn. Is that all right? I've never seen a fire, Chris, that you take this piece of paper and this piece of paper and throw them both in and that fire not burn this one because it didn't like what was wrote on it. It's in its path, it'll burn. It's all consuming. Can we say that? Now listen, John is seeing him in his glorified state. He's seen him in his glory. John has seen him here in this vision, Wendy, the way he'll be seen when he comes back in Revelation 19. And when he comes back, he's not coming back in grace. He's not coming back in mercy. He's coming back in judgment and in wrath. And his eyes, like a flame of fire, fire burns all. We say this, Christ sees all. There'll be nothing hidden. There'll be nothing swept under the rug. There'll be nothing disguised. He sees all. And when he comes, he'll not be dampened by one bit of mercy. That's hard for you and I to understand. It really is. Because we see him and we talk about his grace and his love and his mercy. And he, he does, it is, he is all those things. But John said his eyes were the flame of fire. He sees all. And he's coming back to judge all. And he'll not be partial. He'll not be peculiar. He'll not be precious. He comes back in judgment. He'll defeat the nations. All this land. His eyes like a flame of fire. My, my, my. Speaks of his. Judgment speaks of his speaks of his omniscience, the fact that he sees and knows all. Uh, let me see this. When the time judgment comes, he'll do so without fear or favor. He'll judge as a consuming fire. Can you imagine tonight how that you and I have found grace in his sight? But that day, when they look into his eyes, they'll not see grace, they'll not see mercy, they'll not see love. They'll see his eyes as a flaming fire. Is that not saying this again? Look at me, verse 15. And his feet 
like unto fine brass, as if they burn in a furnace. Brass in Scripture, always a picture of judgment. In fact, I thought about this this evening on the way up here. Remember when we looked at the tabernacle? First piece of furniture you come to, that brazen altar. They took that wood and covered it with that, that brass brazen altar. Put the fire underneath it. Remember that? It was a it consumed the altar. Talk about that picture of the altar. Bright his feet like in the brass. The Bible said that at Genesis 3.15, or 3.16, maybe. I have to go back and look at 3.15 or 16. Promise to get verse 15, maybe this is 16, 15 or 16. That talking about the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent. Bible said that thou shalt bruise his heel, but he shall bruise thy hand. At Calvary, Satan bruised the heel of the Savior. That's not all that took place. His feet as on the fine brass. Do you realize at Calvary, Christ was judged with all the fierceness and the fire of the judgment and wrath of God. And he come out early not consumed, but his fine brass. Meaning that there is no fault. There is no sin. To put it simply, he was judged by God and John passed the test. He said, like fine brass. God poured out his judgment upon him. He endured it in his body. And was found sinless. And when he comes back as the sinless one that's been judged, never been a man that could pass the judgment of God. If I'm absent in the garden, man has never been able to pass God until Christ. And when he comes back as the sinless one that endured the wrath of God, his feet, that's interesting, his feet, not his head, not his chest, not his arms. But his feet were like fine brass. Brass speaks of judgment. Say, so preacher, what's the significance of that? Well, we see the fact that he's been judged. But then notice this. At his return, he'll not preach, be preaching in peace and grace, but he'll come to, to judge the Gentile nations, the beast, as well as the false prophet. Watch what your Bible said in Isaiah 63. Notice his feet were like fine brass. Isaiah 63, verse 3, here's what the Bible said, I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me, only one that could do it. For I will tread them in my anger, trample them in my fury, their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Say, preacher, what does that mean? Let's talk about the wine press. I'm quick. I may give you, I may give you the rest of them real quick. I don't know. Just give it to you and quit. The wine press, they take this almost like a box, and they fill it full of grapes. And whoever's going to press it out, they take their shoes off. They climb up in that wine press. And Chris, they'd sit there and they kind of, you know, they, the garment they'd wear, almost like a skirt, they'd kind of hike their skirt up. And they'd go stomp. 
That's it. Stop and press them grapes. And the, the juice had run out. And he'd run out the bottle. That's how they made the wine. How they made the grape juice. Have to get in there, Nancy, and stomp and press by your feet. Stomp out them grapes. And the juice would run down to the bottom. Run out the bottom of the box if you're the press. That's how they get their juice. That's what the Bible says in Isaiah 63. Notice the terminology. I have trodden the wine press alone, and of the people there was none with me. He's the only one that can endure the wrath and the judgment of God. So he'll be the one to execute the wrath and the judgment of God. Is that all right? The Bible said, in the last part of that verse, their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I'll stain all my raiment. I've heard people say that's talking about cow. It's not talking about Calvary. The lion's press, he's talking about when he comes back in Revelation 19. Turkey saying he's going to stomp out the wine press alone. He'll come back alone and execute the judgment of God. We'll get over to the to the battle of Armageddon and the blood's running as deep as the horse's bridle. That's what he's talking about, God. It's going to be like somebody stomping out the wine press and as that grape juice would go to the bottom and run down. That's how the blood will be on that day. That He'll stomp it alone in His wrath and in His fury. That's what the Bible said. He'd come to Calvary in grace and in mercy and in love. When He comes back to Revelation 19, Earl, it's going to be in wrath and fury and judgment. And He'll stamp out the wine press alone. And of the people that's done with Him. What's what your Bible said? Notice this. What's what your Bible said? His garment, by the way, His garment, white, pure, holy, righteous. Watch what your Bible said. For I will tread them in my anger, trample them in my fury. Their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments. What he's saying in this? Their garments, white, holy, righteous, pure. Ronald, in a righteous and holy anger and fury, he'll judge the nations. That's why it mingles. The judgment, it's not a sinful wrath. It's not a sinful fury. It's in his just and right and holy. And the blood is sprinkled upon that in his holiness and his righteousness. They'll judge the nation. And their blood shall sprinkle on his arms. What's the black point? Verse 3 in Isaiah 63 said, Watch this. How sad. Hey, preacher, how, how, what, kind of a, what kind of a judgment will it be? Here's how Isaiah explained it. Their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain. All my raiment. They tell me that when a man stomped out the wine press, that that grape juice, you can imagine, would splatter, sprinkle on his garments. No matter how hard he may try, he'd get some around the hem and around the bottom of his garment. But Isaiah 63 3 said that not only would it sprinkle on his garments, but that he would stain all his raiment. What a picture. What a picture. To do that, to stamp out the wine press, draw through his feet like fine brass. Picture that. What about that? Not, not soft, not, 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 not graceful and merciful, but like fine brass that will not give, that will not be in. He's judging in a righteous and holy anger and fury. What time is it? See if I can tell me I can give you real quick without saying Oh, can I can I give you two more? Notice, notice verse 15. 
Notice his capability. Feet like a fine breast that have been burned in the furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. His voice from many waters speaks his power <coughs> and authority. One writer said this. Could you imagine stand at the bottom or the base of Niagara Falls and argue with it? God said his voice was as the sound of many waters. There'll be no arguing. There'll be no, there'll be no talking him out of it. His voice will drown out all the cries. Oh, by the way, out of his mouth, for a few minutes, out of his mouth, See the sharp two-edged sword. That's the word of God. Hebrews 4 12. Words quick, powerful, sharp two-edged sword. It's the word of God. His voice said many words. There'll be no, he'll judge them according to the book, according to his word. There'll be no arguing. There'll be no debating. His voice is the same of many waters. He has all power and authority. His voice is, in, is as many waters. There'll be no rebuttal or arguing with his judgment. Oh my, I really want to give you this one. I really ought to just finish this. I don't have very much. I've got three more. Can, can you bear with me? Can you bear with me? Ten minutes. Notice his care. I said verse 16, and he had in his right hand seven stars. Now seven candlesticks he's in the midst, but now in his hand are seven stars. What in the world are we going to do with that? What's what the Bible said? I got to hurry. So I'm going to be in this vision seven candlesticks. That's the churches. And that is right hand with seven stars. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you the footnotes of it. i got to hurry. We hear, like it, it seems like we hear a lot these days about the stars of this world. Got movie stars and sports stars and this kind of star and that kind of star. The question becomes what stars is Christ holding in his hand? Not all the stars, just seven stars. Revelation 1.20, Noah read the end of it a while ago, lights in the midst of the seven stars that I saw from my right hand, the seven gold candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now, that word angel means messenger. It doesn't necessarily, God, the word that's used doesn't carry the idea necessarily of the created being that's uh, an angel like we would think. It's a messenger. The idea associated with it, Noah, is, all, is in a lot of ways, and most commentators believe this to be true, uh, and I would agree, it's not just seven, seven angels, but it's the seven angels of the seven churches they're associated with. The idea is a messenger. The idea is the pastor. Or say the pastors of these seven churches. The messenger. The ministers, if you would, make a better way to say it. Notice what the Lord, now you say, preacher, I don't know about that. Notice what the Lord has to say about stars. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, here's what the Bible says. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now, I'm giving you the, the cliff note to this. The minister, the Ministry tonight is under divine authority and received his orders directly from Christ. Here we find him held up securely in the hand of Christ in the midst of the churches. Y'all ain't getting it. I, I went too fast and I see it. The idea is holding them up. 
in his right hand. The, the picture, one writer said it like this, the picture of God is almost like he's holding them in his hand, telling them what to go tell the church. Ain't that beautiful? Ain't that beautiful? All oh, my things get rough, things get rocky, but he's held in the palm of his hand. That's beautiful, man. That's so beautiful. My, my, my. That he gets a word from God, brings it to the people. That's beautiful. We see his care. He holds the seven stars in the palm of his hand. All right, notice the, notice the competency. The Bible said, verse number 16, I have his mouth and a sharp two-edged sword. Hold your men go. This, of course, speaks of the word of God. Hebrews 4, 12. You can go read that yourself. Uh, it is by, by his word and his word alone that all the nations will be judged. John 12, 48. I'll give you this one. Now that he that rejecteth me receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. He'll be judged by his word and his word alone. Notice his countenance. I'll give you this. I'll quit. We got taller than I thought we would. Of course, I've preached 15 minutes past eight, but that's all right. You have enjoyed it as much as I have. I know you have. All right. Uh, his countenance, verse 16. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Now, John, I told you, who had been with him on the Transfiguration, has seen his, shine, his countenance shine this way before. But this time, there is a difference. There'll never be a time when he quit shining. Is that right? Matthew 17, John, my, my Peter, James, and John went up on the Transfiguration. He was transfigured before him. His countenance just shines the sun. But when they come back down the mountain, the rest of them didn't see him. He quit shining. But this time, Never be another time he quit shining. Oh my, watch this. Revelation 21. If you don't have to turn. Revelation 21, verse 23. The Bible said in the city, talking about New Jerusalem, had no neither sun, neither the moon that shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is light there. Never a time he'll quit shining. Isn't there? Said all that, say this, verse number 17. John said, When I saw him, I fell at his feet. Is dead. Can you blame him? God walked with him on the earth. And when he saw him like this, he felt his feet as dead. Never seen him quite like this. My, my, my. I believe all my heart. One of these days we'll see him just like John described him. Kirk, I believe when we do, we'll fall on his feet as dead. What's what your Bible says, verse 17? I've got to quit. I've got to quit. What first sentence? John said, when I saw him cut his face dead, watch this. Oh. And he laid his right hand upon me. Oh, my. Right now, I told you a minute ago, we're talking about, uh, I'll quit. I promise. Nothing says I'll quit. I told you a minute ago, we've got access to spiritual blessings. I told you that comes from three things his word, the sight. Touch. Right now, John, all we have access to is his word. Thank God for that. Thank God we've got a word. We can have access to his word. There's coming a day we'll see him. And of course, the Bible there's no with God, there is no respect persons. John fed his feet as dead. The Bible said, What's this? And he had verse number one man, verse number 17. Fed his dead, and he laid his right hand upon me. What about that? 
I don't have time to get into it because I've told you five times I was going to quit it. I ain't going to it, so I don't want to lie again. But five's number three. That's a good place to stop. Uh, but in his right hand, in verse number, is it verse number 16? He had seven stars. But now he lays his right hand on God. Boy, there's a study right there. Tomorrow I'll study that out. I don't have time to deal with it. But he lays his right hand. That's his touch. John's had a word. Now he's singing. And it, it all comes together. When he feels a physical touch. What about Larry? Well, I've been honest with you. I thought a lot about the time when I finally lay eyes on him face to face. That's enough to get me off excited. And I just think I'm up the road today when we get Andrew. And I, I wrote about myself. And I say about when I see him falling in physical hand. And when he reaches out his right hand, the one that's kicking me, that's his hand falling in power. One that's kept me all these years. Well, have that God been more to keep me to sit down with him? He reaches out to touch him. God, help me. I about come, I about wreck coming in the road. Do you see it? Do you see the picture? Oh, we just got three more verses, but I don't have time to deal with it. I'd like to, but I don't have time. But he laid his hand on it. Oh, my, the picture, the image. First thing he saw, revelation of Jesus Christ, the first thing he revealed to him was himself in a way that he'd never seen. No wonder John said, Blessed is he that reheareth and readeth the words of this prophecy. And keepeth the word of prophecy. No wonder. That's a blessing to see him in his glorified state, is to see him as he is tonight. See him how he's going to return to the earth. Eyes of flame of fire. Hair like wool. That's a blessing tonight. It's a blessing to know he's alive and well. Isn't that right? I gotta quit. Let's just come get some of the great things.